Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 304, and I had a conversation with Mike Errico. He's a recording artist, educator, and author. His book, Music, Lyrics, and Life, a field guide for the advancing songwriter, is in its second printing. His book is really interesting. He interviewed a ton of heavyweights like Shane McAnally, Paul Stanley, Madison Love, but also reached out to other types of folks to write the book, including astrophysicist Jana Levin, renowned painter John Curran, best-selling author George Saunders, and a fly fisherman, of all things, um, as well. So, you know, he talked to all sorts of people about what makes the art of songwriting, uh, what it says about who we are, where we're going, uh, really fascinating outlook and and conversations with people from all over the place. I think it's a book that could be read by anybody who isn't necessarily a songwriter because it talks about patterns in the universe and better living through creativity how to be playful and challenged, how to expand your mind and your way of thinking and uh, magical thinking. I really dug it. I dug him too. He's friends with my second cousin, Ed. Shout out to Ed for the introduction. And yeah, I'm looking forward to you hearing this. Okay, usual stuff. Hey Human Podcast can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Hey Human Podcast. To find my personal Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it's under Susan Ruthism. You can email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. If you want to check out my music and my art or interviews that have been done with me instead of by me, you can go to SusanRuth.com and they're all there. You can also sign up there on the mailing list. If you're into music, like I mentioned before, yes, you can check out SusanRuth.com, but if you just find Susan Ruth out there in all the musical places, you will find me. I'm on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and everything. My more recent album, All I Ever Wanted Was Everything, is out there for you to check out. Check out my YouTube channel, Official Susan Ruth, there on YouTube. Subscribe to that. It definitely helps, and I appreciate it. Heading back to HeyHumanPodcast.com website, there you will find the links page. Every episode has its own pile of links that I curate for you, so you just have to go to one-stop shopping. You can find out a bunch of information about my guests and what we've talked about on the show. While you're on HeyHumanPodcast.com, check out the store. You can get merch there, really high-quality stuff, good stuff, pencil cases, book bags, t-shirts, hats, all that kind of stuff. And you can also contribute. Hey Human is an ad-free podcast and every bit helps. And you can show your support that way if you are so inclined. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's another great way to to help the, the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for getting the word out and spreading the, the love Stay safe out there, be kind, practice self-care, and uh, know that I'm out here thinking of you. Yeah? All right, let's get into this. Here we go. Hi. I'm just cranking some, cranking some Susan Ruth. <laughs> cranking some Promise Me Something. There you go. Reba ended up cutting that song. Reba McIntyre? Mm-hmm. 
Amazing. Yeah. How cool is that? It's pretty freaking cool. I cried actually. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> when was that? Uh, 2015. Her Love Somebody wow. album. She changed the title from Promise Me Something to Promise Me Love, but it's Reba, so I didn't care. And then uh, she did add one word. That she added the word romance. So it's she says romance and love, and that word just makes me willy. And uh, yeah. that was a real bummer. But, you know, it's Reba. Apparently, she goes in with a basic understanding of the lyric, and then she just kind of wings it. You don't have to answer this, but what does that do for the co-writing? Nothing. She, didn't, she doesn't, doesn't do anything. She didn't take any. No. That's nice. She's not like she's the one of the sweetest people in the world. When uh everybody that was on that record got a hand signed thank you note from her, handwritten, and then she threw us a big um because she I think she knows it's the music industry isn't what it was. And so right. getting on the record is one thing, but it's not really gonna amount to much. Mm. And even if it's right. a decent record, especially for an icon, old school artist. And so she threw us a big party and she performed and she played the whole record and gave us foods and it was really great. That's awesome. Yeah. She's, um, a, she's a class act. Was this in LA or was Nashville? This- Nashville. Um, so are you working I mean, with a publisher and all? Are you doing all I do everything, everything. I do everything on my own. I'm a songwriter. I'm a performer. I'm a podcaster. I'm an abstract painter. And I just sold, uh, in the beginning of last year, uh, two short films. Cool. So all the storytelling things is what I do. Short film as in like you did 10 minutes, the screenplay or the yeah screenplay. Yeah. Two short film screenplays. Yeah. Yeah. I had never done those before, but I figured if you can write a three and a half minute movie, I, a song then you can write a screenplay absolutely that's so cool so is it getting filmed or is it well we'll see you know all that stuff (laughs) takes time the last i heard they're working on the money part so (laughs) right (laughs) yeah god knows how long that takes that's very cool Um, other what other cuts have you been getting or have you Uh, i had a couple cuts on lone star these are sort of iconic old school artists but um I, and uh, in Americana, Don Pedigo in Sweden, the United on in pop. I had a top ten in Turkey on an artist named Erdem Kine. He's like the Timberland of Turkey. Um, it's just wow. sort of all over the place, you know. And and you're like, you're pitching on your own, like without you're not on. Yeah, I mean, so every every cut I've ever gotten, I got on my own. Um, I think nobody takes care of your business like you do. And I grew up in a generation where it's like, if you want to, if you want to play, if you want to do anything, you do it yourself. I used to, when my album, how to say goodbye came out, I made a a, a cast of characters that were, uh, worked for me, quote unquote. So I had a manager and a booking agent and she uh, was English and I pretended to be all these people and I just make phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Separate phone numbers or no, same. No, same like the business line or whatever. (laughs) I was scrappy. Kids, kids these days don't understand how scrappy you had to be back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had uh, Benny Blanco come in once, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he yeah. was like, "I gotta talk to the CEO. I, I've got a, I got a kid. You gotta know him. Like whatever. Like you did. Yeah, that, you know? yeah, exactly. So yeah. anyway, hi, nice hi. to see you. You too. So um, you, you're friends with my cousin, my second cousin. Uh, I Ed. went to high school with him. 
Oh. He is my attorney. Okay. He's he's been in my class. Um he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. We were on billions together. Yeah. <laughs> um and what else? His, his wife I mean, sings quite beautifully. Amazing. I've seen her, uh Kareen. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, we've just been out and doing, you know, we've been friends for years. I mean, for yeah. decades. Well, along with Brian, Brian, and also Pete, the uh, Peter Zizzo, yeah, the guy who was in the middle of the yeah, uh, yeah. of the billions yeah. scene. Yeah, Brian, I he won't never remember this, uh, and I haven't obviously talked to him since. But in 2011, he came to Nashville uh, for with the screen the Nashville Film Festival or Screen Festival, whatever the thing mm-hmm. where the screenwriters come and talk to mm-hmm. aspiring writers. And uh, I met him then, mm. unbeknownst to me that that Ed and he, I mean, I hadn't even officially met Edward yet. I met Edward because I was talking to my dad about my grandmother and I just did a Facebook search of people with her last name, her maiden name. And I came upon him and I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I think we're cousins. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. he's a he's a really sweet guy. Yeah. And- um, it's really nice to have an attorney that you believe. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you know? I, I certainly in you. had the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So well, he's anyway, great. For yeah, this. yeah. So it's a small world after all. I hope to meet him oh, in real sure. life because I've never met him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to come to New York in the spring. I hope and get to. Meet I'm, him. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure you've heard his clients and all. I uh, mean, vaguely. I know he he represents some famous people, but in in. In my, I don't know if you feel this way, but in my experience, it's best not to worry about who people are surrounded by and just concentrate really on the person themselves. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he is. Yeah. He's great on, on his own. But I mean, yeah. like, he also has like this, this other business, you know, this, this whole yeah. other side to him. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, hi, Mike, Erica. Welcome to Hey Human. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to see you. You and you. And you're in New York? I am in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we were second uh, generation, um, yeah, to Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. We're all immigrants. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish more people felt that way. Uh, tell me about you. Where did you, you, so you grew up there. Tell me about growing up in the family. Was it a music-oriented family? Were you a creative kid? How, how did you... Is that was something like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to pick up an instrument. Well, it, it's a creative house. Uh, my dad is a doctor, but was also a, uh, a classical pianist and a um, music major back in the back in the day. Um, my mom is a painter uh, and sculptor, artist, but a visual person. So there's put those two together. Uh, I have. Uh, two sisters one is a broadway uh i don't know chanteuse i mean i'm not really sure she's like she's like a i don't know what number threat she is she's like about a seven threat or something uh, of the of the different you know different skills uh, of acting and, and such and um my uh younger sister melanie uh is a designer of jewelry and fashion and all of that so incredibly like, creative family yeah that's kind of like that's kind of just was it was there like that's just sort of like what we were what was going on 
in, mm-hmm. the, in the house. So close family, uh, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, we're all uh, literally and figuratively, I think we're all within like 10 miles of each other as we speak. Wow. Except, except for my sister, Melanie, who is in Philly. Okay. Shout That's out a two Melanie. hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're not very nomadic. That was that's one thing for sure. Well, she flew the coop a little. <laughs> a little, yeah. What was your first instrument of choice? Um, the first. Oh, that's funny. You should put it that way. The first of choice, oddly, was the trumpet. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I just picked the trumpet. Um, I tried the piano. Uh, and then I tried the trumpet, and the, the trumpet was was rough. Also, it's very loud and very sharp sounding. So, and also, um, your mouth is occupied, and you can't make chords. So there was like there were several several limitations to that to that instrument, as far as I was concerned. Um, so then I switched to guitar, and I I um I went. It started classical, you know, classical guitar. Um, because mom, uh, I think mom didn't, you know, the electric guitar is the elevator to the devil. You know that. I don't know. It, it was a bad, it was a harbinger of, of, of something not great, I think. She uh, felt that way. Religious. She did. Well, so religious woman then, or just in theory, <sighs> electric guitar is. Theoretically, it's more culturally, it, it had more cultural sort of significance, I think, as a dangerous harbinger of delinquency truancy mm-hmm. possible alcohol i don't know I, i'm not i you know i'm not really sure but um that was not uh it was not an exciting uh turn of events for her so um we compromised you, somehow you kids and your rock music <laughs> you kids and your rock music so you know i got into classical which is actually really beautiful <laughs> You know, it's a very different way of playing, but I still kind of use some of it, you know, some of that, um, you know, embouchure is not the word, but like those techniques, you know, those sort of finger techniques. Um, And eventually, of course, I got into electric and did all that for a while. When I got out of college, I was getting a lot of work being a sideman or backing uh female singer songwriters so then i switched back to acoustic to steel string acoustic and that's sort of where i've sat you know uh mm-hmm. for, for a while not knowing how old you are the music just knowing the music that came from new york uh, you know brooklyn the bronx all those places back in the day just incredible especially oh, yeah. in a female genre you know the 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 incredible carol king era Oh yeah. Well, there's, I mean, New York goes through waves, you know? Um, yes, there's the, the Brill building and all of that historically, uh, uh, amazing stuff, uh, through the, well, I don't know if they're all New York people or they would call themselves New York people, but like, um, you know, I mean, I used to play with people like Lisa Loeb and like, you know, Paula Cole and, uh, I don't know, Jonah's policewoman and, I don't know, um, people like that. And then there's this other wave, the strokes and all of that kind of thing, uh, you know, and it, it, it just, it runs, it runs in cycles like that. But yeah, it, New York has always been 
a thing. Um, it's nice to be a teacher here in New York because I'm seeing the next sort of thing happening, you know? So the, all the places that I've played around the country, now my students are playing and, uh, it's just hilarious. It's hilarious to watch. Um, and to see them doing really well, it's really gratifying to watch that. When you were coming up, did you have a plan? I'm going to be a musician uh, as a living, or did you think, okay, I'm going to kind of do the side thing? I support other people, and I'm going to do something more yeah. <laughs> stable. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I had no plan. When I say I had no plan, like some people are like, oh, come on, so you had a plan? I had no plan. I had no idea how I would live past 25 for lots of reasons, <laughs> but literally in lots of ways as well. I was like, I had no idea what was going on. And then I had a, um, you know, my, my dad had a, had a, um, took a class, a pop songwriting class. He's a classical player. He took this pop class and hated it. And, um, we have the same name and he didn't want to get his money back. So I just, we just switched. And so I showed up the next day and then I just took the class. So like, then that became sort of the thing to do. Like it was the thing to do in the absence of anything to do, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I did not, I was a sideman for a while, but I, I never felt like I had any, uh, no one would listen. Right. I just had a, this, I was, sure that no one was ever going to pay attention but then i got into all these bands and they were terrible like they're just so bad and i was like well wait a minute they have such hubris to be doing this you know they have such confidence uh, i don't mean to say hubris but I mean like confidence um maybe i can uh pick some of that up and that you know they were sort of like mentors to me as far as in the confidence game I mean, I think we we know that to be a success, one doesn't necessarily need talent. <laughs> it's certainly helpful. No, <laughs> no, you need the ability to hear the word no a million times. Oh, that's for sure. And I remember I was working. I, I also I ran uh, the website for Blender Magazine for a while, and we did an article that really impressed me on people, uh, rock stars with Aspergers. Is basically what it was. And they're just because you hear no so many times, but someone like Tom York from Radiohead um, just didn't, you know, they, just no doesn't penetrate, you know, um, because he just had the ability, the focus um, that, um, that they seem that he seems to have. And so he was able to withstand, I think, no with more resilience, I think, than someone who's like, who's going to be like, oh, you think I suck? You're probably right. You know? Sure. Um, it's like the ability to say, to, to hear no, even on doing this book, uh, you know, promoting this book. I mean, I hear no. Oh my God. Oh my God. How many times? Well, I mean, I think um, the musical history books are, it, it's filled up with, uh, they're filled up with, all the different artists and writers and musicians and things that say, oh my gosh, so-and-so turned me down, such and so. I mean, they all have countless stories from Elton John to the Beatles to oh God. the yeah. Stones. They, they, I remember I was uh, working on a record in New York and we were in the, the last phase of it. So there was some downtime while the engineers futzed around and 
uh, it was Godfrey Diamond's room and he had all these great music bo books about various acts. And I picked up a YouTube book that was yeah. this, I'm just so thick. And I started leafing through it and it was every song you two had ever written to that point. And as I thumbed through it, of course, the hit songs were in there, but there were far more, I mean, dare I say, mediocre to crap yeah. songs. And, yeah. and I thought, and it was such an inspirational moment for me because I thought, oh, this is one of the biggest bands in the world, especially yeah. at the time, that yeah. they can they can also write terrible stuff and they just keep going until they get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah. So many clunkers. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a, um, I had a rising singer songwriter in as a guest, this woman, uh, Jensen McCray. And she told my class, you know, I have an album coming out and there's 12 songs on it and I'll write probably, you know, 120 songs a year and, you know, for the 12, you know, and yeah. she's like, you know what? That's not a bad batting average. <laughs> yeah. and, and so my, I'm, my students just wither when they hear stuff like that, but like, <laughs> but, and, and well, they should, because like, you know, every time I've had people of any, any um, level of stardom, like Rob Thomas, I, I had, or like Benny Blanco or whatever, these people, I'm like, how do you approach like J Jack Antonoff? How do you approach the blank page and they're just like i don't i don't have the time like, yeah i basically pick up where i left off wherever that was once upon a time there may have been a blank page but that was the first day i, I started and it hasn't been blank since yeah and i would argue that you're never really done writing a song as much as you want to be because i go back and listen to records that i've made and i think oh fuck like why yeah. did, why did i say that like why didn't i write that but you have to just keep pushing forward you had to have those in order to get to the ones over there it's it's funny you should say that because i was teaching i teach at the new school and at uh nyu's clive davis institute of recorded music this semester and i have a student at the new school and he was talking about a song that he was finishing and i was like you know what he, but he couldn't, he couldn't like put the period on the sentence. You know what I mean? He couldn't finish because he had all these other uh, ideas. And I was like, why don't you make several versions of this song? And I was like, what is the definite, uh, the definitive version of a song? And why did someone come up with that concept? I feel like that's like a record label concept. Like they want to own the original version. So they have to say all the other versions are inferior in some way. When they're actually not. And in fact, a lot of times, like the live version or the remix or even the cover from someone else is the better version of the song. So I was telling him, like, just make five versions and let, let the people figure it out. You know, let them do what they're going to do uh, mm -hmm. with, with it. I, I don't know if that helps or hurts the idea of finishing a song, but a, a, a so you're right that a song is never finished. So respecting that via different versions uh, could be uh, could be very helpful. That's why I find John Mayer so intriguing because not only is he not afraid to grow in different directions, I think he loves playing with different genres and different ideas. But he also, it seems, never really plays a song the same way twice. Right, and he's in the dead now, right? Right, which is great. So like they never. I mean, I think I feel like they invented that, you know. Yeah. The, the, well, 
I guess jazz had something to do with it. Right, for sure. <laughs> or improv. Yeah. But like, but just yeah, the the idea of this being like a rolling concept, you know. Right, because music's organic. It's mm-hmm. there it has rules, of course. It's mathematics and it's language, but it also is quite fluid and organic. Yeah. It's time, basically. It's it. I I'm trying not to say it's time in a bottle, but it kind of is, right? I mean, it, it's it wasn't created mm-hmm. to be recorded. It far predates recording. Um, and it was it that, was the past story. It's a, that was its purpose. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when, once we got into recording, we got into a different definition of what it is. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's kind of a weird uh, way to to approach it now because at the end of the day, I mean, you have, you have people like um, Dave Grohl or someone like that, these advocates for live music, right. And they're, they're just like, if that's that, that's it, that's the, that's where the rubber really meets the road. And, you know, I, I watch TikTok a lot and there are like TikTok stitches that are coming in and they're just like, you know, these old people talking about their live music, you know, uh, when a viral TikTok will do so much more for you and all of this kind of thing. So um, I don't know. I mean, that definition is, is it's nice that it's fluid, I guess, that, you know, yeah. or you, you do both or you do not, you know, neither. I don't know. Um, well, there's a fanaticism. The people are quite fanatical about finality. Also, they think I yes. have to get to the end of this thing. And then when I'm at the end of this thing, that's it. And then I can move on to the next thing. And I would, again argue that you've never you've never put anything away you've never ended anything because if you hadn't done that thing you wouldn't be able to do this thing and technically they're they're connected they're yeah yeah i I think artists artists are also sort of bemoaning the death of the album or which isn't really the death of the album but the death of people listening to an album straight from start to finish um those were the days those were those were days but you know what at the same time those were also days where like you'd get a couple of good songs and the rest were not so great but well, they had I think to put them a, out i think there was a transition i was just having this conversation the other day it used to be that purchasing an L, an album you go to a vinyl store you'd get your album the artwork was incredible the liner notes were incredible you would have mm-hmm. an experience with this thing it was a start to finish story that all the songs fed into each other there was a there was a circular happening there and then then slowly albums were like you said a handful of songs good a couple dogs and then it became a couple good mostly dogs and then it was the record label saying screw this we're doing singles yeah that was it Another thing I, I was talking to someone about this. Uh, another thing is like there were the album was the thing, right? The album was the vehicle for sales, right? Not everyone who got signed had an album's worth of something to say, right? So so they but they still had to fill it in some in some way. So they would fill it with filler, you know, with with not great stuff in order to get the single out. You don't have to do that now, but I feel like the the album and the concept of the album was really damaged by yeah by bad quality control basically i agree yeah i agree with that and what was your first album that you bought do you remember 
first album I bought, well, I don't remember buying it, but I used to, we had a deal in the house that I um, was, if I was brave at the dentist, I was able, they would, I would buy, I would get an album, right? And we'd go to the the store and get an album. So um, I have some really <laughs> great vinyl and, 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 you know, teeth also I have uh, still, but, um, but I got some great ones and I was just talking about it. Um, Songs in the key of life, I think might've been one of the very first, I don't know how I was that prescient, but like, yeah, you're on it. It's a, it's a it's it's holding up well oh yeah again <laughs> have you seen summer of soul i haven't oh it's really worth it absolutely okay. young it very young stevie yeah pre songs of the key of life can you imagine being the the whomever it was and i don't know enough of i know his music obviously because who well i shouldn't say who doesn't everyone should that's my that's my <laughs> shout out but can you imagine like the first people discovering him as as a world sensation just you imagine that room I, I think about that a lot i think about these rooms where you know stevie wonder first sang or i don't know nirvana or uh carol king or joni mitchell for god's sakes you know and yeah. I think, oh, what did that room do well how did they look at each other or did they try and act normal <laughs> i mean the room changes for sure i've seen some of them um, the one who has eluded me so far is Dolly Parton. Like, I have to see. Like, there, there's something about going to see people whose names are fixtures in culture. But you've like, never seen Dolly play? I've never seen Dolly play. Oh, you must. I, uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm never, um, I'm never disappointed. Even if I don't like the music. Like, yeah. I saw Barry Manilow. Um, I just watched the film uh, "Listening to Kenny G." Mind-bending, amazing thing. Difficult to listen. I mean, I'm not a fan. It doesn't matter. You know, there's sure. you. You know, you can feel why. You know, this person is. It's that you know, X factor that nobody can define. X factor is exactly a, a great way to put it. And like, I, I feel like I've seen some students like that, and people just look around and they're just like. Oh my God, are we in, are we watching like the beginning, a thing? Yeah. yeah. Like a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. What uh, led you into the path? How did you get into the path of teaching? What, where was that along the yeah. way? Totally backwards. Right. So I, I went, um, I was, I was touring and record deals and putting stuff out and whatever. And while I was on the road, I got a, call from a friend who was like um he and he worked at a university and he was like i'd like you to come in and talk to my students this is a liberal arts college we don't have anything no one really talks about popular music at, at the faculty level so why don't you come over and talk to them and again the confidence for me comes up like i don't have anything to tell them what am i who am i you know like i i don't know and he's like you know what shut up um, and he booked me and I talked to these students and I was like, oh my God. And I just had like one of those moments, like the, like the aha kind of lightning bolt moments. I have been teaching and I have not stopped since then. And so it's just sort of been, uh, it's just been 
I don't know, not a calling, but it's a passion. It's really fun. Sure. A calling, whatever. Um, but that, that was what really got me going was a, a friend and a phone call. Wow. <laughs> a friend and a phone call. That's pretty much where most things uh, show up, you know? Um, Isn't that cool to think that just one moment, one conversation and the trajectory of all your life gets into a whole new flow? Completely. Um, it's very weird. And I thank him for it. And he's weirded out by me thanking him because he's just really? like, dude, all I did was call you. Stop. Don't You don't have to thank me in the book. I was like, I thanked you in the book. He's like, I just called. That's the, it, it wasn't like I had this grand plan. And of course, I'm thinking, you knew. You knew all along to make that phone call. And he's like, uh, sorry, guy. I totally- had the ruby slippers all along. <laughs> I love that movie. I do and too. for that reason, is that like, there's no real, <laughs> there's no wizard, you know, like, no. and, and it's just the, the weirdest. <laughs> right. I mean, they're kind, it's kind of the whole, the, the thing about it. Um, yeah. So then like, so from the, from the teaching, I turned and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to teach them? I, I, I have to um, write a book. I need a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then that's how the book came about was because yeah. the teaching came about because the songwriting came about and it's all sort of been very backward, but also like almost looks planned. Yeah. Let's talk about the book, music, lyrics, and life. Yeah. It's a field study. Uh, uh, now I think that's really interesting to call it a field study for, for songwriters. Right. Because right. it's not, it's not just that there's, there's all sorts of things going on in there. Yeah. Which by the way, I finally got the book. <laughs> I'm so glad. I still, I still haven't seen the one that you sent to the house, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've been sending stuff out, and I've had a few people just like, "What is going on with the U.S. mail? Oh, like, it's crazy! What is happening?" Like, uh, so I'm getting all so get tracking numbers. Who, if anyone's yes thinking okay. about sending a package, get a tracking number. I'd like to think um, that somewhere the postman is just sitting and reading the book, and when he's done, he'll put it in my mailbox. That might be the thing. Yeah, if I gave you a bottle of wine and then it came yeah. to you empty, you know, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a field guide because I um I know what's already available, you know, and. There's so much available on YouTube or whatever. Just like, sure. what are the mechanics of this? What are the mechanics of that? And like, what, you, you know, how do you make a chorus? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I didn't want it to be redundant, so but I did want it to be a new window into uh, the kinds of things that we do. Plus, um, they're almost like defensive measures for living uh, in a weird way way because you know i just think about how um how definitions of success when they are external can lead to tremendous problems for someone in the arts or it's someone someone anywhere someone in the restaurant business you know it's it's uh what is success you know um and so putting things like that into perspective means seeing things like the external reward shows of things like American Idol and all of that nonsense and puts them very much in the in the 
enemy category, you know, that has nothing to do with life, you know, with, with your own definitions of success and then into your own definitions of like, what do you really want to be writing? You know, like there are a lot of people out there who don't want to be Dua Lipa, you know, so don't be, it's a big world. Uh, and so getting people to, to get into their own voice um, and into their own definitions of what's good, what's quality, what's success, um, what makes it, what makes for a good day? You know, I could have the worst day ever and get a million no's and crappy song done and all this kind of thing. But like the energy I put towards those things today, that was positive because it was looking to the core of what I think is important about this uh, discipline, you know? Mm -hmm. So getting people to talk about that, I think, uh, in my class has been more productive for them than like, oh, check out who's top five on Billboard today, you know, which we do. I mean, we do some of that and it's, you know, Justin Bieber or whoever, <laughs> fine. But um, but the process of, of getting things done, um, I think, becomes much more uh, what I can offer that's unique. What made you have the decision to talk to so many, uh, so many different kinds of people in different disciplines? Right. Because mostly you read these books and like songwriters on songwriting, for example, you go to the people that are doing the thing, but you right. decided to go beyond that. Right. I mean, I did do some of that. I mean, I, I spoke to Shane McAnally and I spoke to um, uh, Paul Stanley, who's the lead singer of Kiss um, and to some former students like Madison Love, who writes with Lady Gaga and Katy Perry and all that. But um, I also wanted to find a new way in that used the same sort of ideas. I think we there's like almost a unified theory um, in, in lots of different disciplines. Um, you know, when they say don't cook angry, right? Like they say that don't write angry, you know, like it comes out different if you do write angry, put it that way. Don't tell um, it to Charles Bukowski. <laughs> well, sure. But like all these different, um, all these different disciplines have a different facet of what we do, you know? So for instance, um, I wanted to talk about patience while you're making songs. Uh, so instead of talking to someone who's patient about making songs, I spoke to a guy named Greg Felt, who's a fly fisherman on the Ar Arkansas River, and he takes people out fishing. And he has to teach them about patience every day, but he does it in a very in a in a with different language. But it's this it's the same concepts, but it's different language. So it's a different way that we see it, you know, because everyone who goes out fly fishing wants that shot on the they're on the canoe and they got the fish and it goes up on Facebook or wherever, you know, and they all want that, but they can't all have it. Um, so he has to uh, temper expectation and uh, get them to be patient. Um, I talked to an astrophysicist about repetition because choruses repeat. And a, and a student once asked me like, why, why do we do this? This is so stupid. Like you've already heard it. Why do you need to hear it again? And I was like, ah, it's a great question. Um, I, I brain it. loves it. 
Right. The A, the brain loves it, but B, it's part of our concept of what reality is. And the astronomers, that's what they look for. They look for repeating patterns in the sky if they're going to find someone who they think can control the unit, their, their environment, right? right? That would be an extraterrestrial or something like that. They're looking for repeated patterns. Right, like in contact. That's why we send out the pattern over and over and over again into the, right. into the universe because we're hoping that somebody right. hears that and says, oh, wait, that's a pattern. We, we do patterns. That must be yes. somebody who's sentient. Yes. Have we talked about contact ever? No, we didn't. No. Do you know that movie? I love I that movie. Yeah. That's my favorite movie in the world. Uh, well, and I also love Carl Sagan. So, I, uh, one of my favorite writers. Um, that is so odd that that you that you said that because I have been laughed at um, uh, for my love of Contact. I have Contact songs, I, um, songs that are based off of it. Uh, there, I have a song called "Okay to Go," which is from the movie. Yeah. There's, I have one called Arecibo, which is the name of the radio observatory in contact. That's great. There are like three or uh, there's like a half a dozen or so songs that that come off of that movie. Yeah. Um, but it's a yes, movie. yeah, and it, and it holds up. <laughs> it kind of does, right? I mean, the ideas hold up. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, which I love so much. Um, but yeah, repetition of uh, uh, is something that our brain loves. It calms us. It satisfies us. Um, it makes us almost feel as though we can predict the future because we're predicting a pattern. So once we notice the pattern, we're, we're so much more calm and settled. And that's really why I tell the students, like, can we get a third chorus in here? Can we, oh, how yeah. can we do that? Can we, pull, can we pull a bridge and add a chorus? <laughs> Look at any or, song coming out of Nashville and you will see how many times the number three happens it is it sure. is without fail it's going to be in every hit song you hear there's going to be a pattern of three uh, and mostly uh, in four four time also but and for lots of four and lots of three uh Beatles songs the the ones that end uh oh, my love my love for me to you my love for me to you <laughs> you know there's so many of them uh that uh that end with three uh repetitions of the title you know um, it's very funny to watch. Um, one of the songs that I use a lot is um, Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson, which was written by Max Martin and Dr. Luke. And that ends three, three times. It hits the, um, it hits the, uh, hits the title setting at the end of the song, like just to drive it, drive it, drive it home. Um, but we love that. Yeah. Right? So that, that would be one. You said it and then you remind them you said it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's why I went, you know, I could have just gone to a songwriter, but I thought it would be more interesting to go to an astronomer yeah. who's dealing with the same kind of thing. Absolutely. So we're talking about song form. So instead of like talking to somebody who's like really into song form, I spoke to a, a woman who makes tires for Goodyear uh, because I was like, you are working in the most perfect form, the circle, right? You can't exit the circle. Right. So my students always want to like break the song form because they're like, I'm going to be innovative. And that's uh, admirable, you know, to, to say that. But um, the innovation does not come from the form. Right. So that was the idea I wanted to give, but I didn't want to just like say it. So I was like, how do we say it and be a little absurdist at the same time? So I start talking to her. She's at Goodyear and I'm like, square tires. What about it? Do you do that? 
oblong triangles have you tried any of these and they're like yeah we've tried them all like obviously physics says that the that the wheel works you know and i was like thank you very much you know don't think me an idiot but like what i really wanted to do was underline the fact that form is uh is there because round rolls you know um, so I, th these are the kinds of things. And I went through a bunch of different people. George Saunders, the excellent writer uh, and author was, was fantastic. Um, oh my God. So, so many, uh, you know, was there any particular one? Cause there's a long list of folks yeah. that are in, in there. Uh, is there anyone that in particular that stood out anything that I would say altered you, uh, yeah. in your understanding? Yeah. Well, I just mentioned George Saunders. He, uh, he blew me away because um, a lot of times I will just tell students like, just because we're in a songwriting class and you start journaling does not mean you're going to end up being a songwriter. You may begin journaling and find out that you, this is not the place you're in the wrong room. You may very well find that out, accept it and run, go to that room. And so George kind of said that because he wanted to be a singer songwriter. He's by the way, the preeminent sort of writer of, of in America at the moment, like, you know, uh, MacArthur Genius Grant, Booker Prize winner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he was like, you know, I really wanted to be a singer songwriter, but um, I really sucked at it. Um, and I'm like, that's crazy. You're such an amazing storyteller. He's like, yeah, but I just, the logic of song didn't work with the logic of what I want to translate out of my head. Um, and he said, it's a moment of maturation to understand what it is you are most beautiful at. What mm -hmm. can you do most beautifully? It might not be the thing you've been setting out to do. And the example he gave is, let's say you were writing string quartets, right? And everyone falls asleep and everyone hates it. And you get sad. And to console yourself, you pick up uh, an accordion and start playing polkas, and everyone wakes up and starts dancing and having a great time. You, you kind of have to listen to that. And I said to him, to what degree do you think we have a choice in the matter? And he's like, none. None at all. And I was like... <laughs> I think you're right. And I do see that in my, in my students. Like there are people who are just naturally brilliant at it. And there are other people who are naturally brilliant at something else. And I can see it, but they are writing songs. <laughs> so How they do don't you have them. How do you help them to go to the light, Carol Ann? <laughs> well, what I, what I try to do is I, I try to get them to journal uh, first and to hopefully to get them to uh, spot it themselves. I don't think uh, just being like, you know what, you'd be a great manager because you're, you know, it's not working for you with songs. I mean, like that would be incredibly presumptuous of me to say, but like, but if we're in office hours or whatever, I, I will lead. I think I, I will lead with questions, you know, and, um, do as much positive reinforcing in a in a in what I think might be a fruitful direction. I'm certainly not going to say that I know, but like I can, you can just sometimes you can just see, you know, um, 
when people are standing in their light or when they're standing mostly in their light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally get it. I mean, I, 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 I get the frustration of that. I get the tears in office hours from them. And like, um, uh, just a, a great example uh, has to do not so much with songwriting, but with style. There was this one woman who was so talented, started as a country singer, then went into this girl group thing, then was an R&B, and she was so frustrated. She would just cry and cry and cry. And she found Ableton and started getting into electronic. And now they have this like pop electronic band, and it's it's really going. They're going to South by Southwest in the coming weeks and if we were together you and i to go out to to see a show or something like that i would take you to them the mm. band is called moon kissed by the way moon kissed um, okay yeah but um they're the band that i'd be like you want to see a band let's go see a band you know that is such an art form in and of itself as well to be able to <sighs> Again, we go back to that commanding of presence that mm-hmm. there's something otherworldly about seeing a show where you know, you just know. Yeah. You can you can feel it. I would never want to be an AR person or a talent scout because like it really is so instinct based and it's so like it could just be the night. You know, like when you're with somebody, it's like, could have just been a one night stand. This could be a but it could be wife material. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you'd really have to make some, some real jumps on some weird instinct levels. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I wouldn't want to do that because I just like having, I just like going to the show, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, but you can but, feel I mean, it. I feel like we've all come up too and seen bands that, especially I grew up in Seattle. So much music came out of Seattle, right? And I would go to shows and watch. And sometimes the band that you think is absolutely the band that should advance and and become huge superstars never quite do it. And then the band that's like, oh, I mean, they're good, but and they're the ones that become the big name. And you think, how did that happen? I know. Um, You're saying Pacific Northwest. I'm thinking just Pacific Northwest. Um, I just saw a documentary, uh, what is it? Heaven Will Adore You, uh, which is the Elliot Smith um, uh, doc. And like, there's footage of him and I would not have gotten it. I would have missed it <laughs> totally. And on TikTok, sometimes a little like Schadenfreude kind of moment is like when an A&R person will be like, here's the band I passed on, right? <laughs> There's this one guy, he was like, you know, I saw this shaggy dude and weird voice brought up this other guy who looked like he just walked out of the dryer. You know what I mean? Like, it was just awful. Turns out, I walked out and turns out the guy is passenger and the uh, guy who walked out of the dryer was Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know if I could walk around with that, you know, like that's, that's, that's really hard. Um, And it's just instinct failing you that one day. Well, and all art is subjective as well. Objective and objective on different nights. They could have just had a bad night. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, uh, so that's that's really that's really a crazy thing, and that's really what I try to I try to give students ballast for that, knowing that it's luck, timing. Like, here's a great one. Um, Dua Lipa was just sued by this like nobody reggae act for levitating the song levitating um, i heard that you, i heard i heard the two songs side by side that's a pretty good it's a pretty good argument there pretty good argument but what's interesting to me is like levitating was huge and it's the same ish song and that that one didn't go anywhere right so it's it's really not about the songs uh, very often you know yeah yes there are songs that pop through and whatever right. but there's so much else well involved. and support and money also help i mean if you can afford sure. to make your records you can afford sure. to go on tour you can afford it is an expensive nomadic life yes it's all of those yeah. things i mean back in the day when we were younger you know we all piled into a van and we went to all the you know we would look to see where our uh where people who had really made it who sounded like us where did they go to place so then we would go to those places and we'd sleep in gross motels where everyone right. pig piled on the bed and just got as much sleep as humanly possible and then drove to the next thing yeah um, it was hell on wheels but it was fun and terrible and crazy and you know everyone yeah. fighting and getting along i mean it's it's madness the, all of it yeah it, it is all all those things and um there's another sort of argument that sort of happens which i think is found which is founded i should say um where it's like you know a lot of people who do startups or who are in bands or whatever have independent wealth they are coming from a place where they can afford to do that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a real thing. Uh, and I, I think that some people are trying to uh, try to level that in some ways or even that out. Um, but when you have startup cash, it helps. It helps. And I mean, the internet obviously can be a great leveler, but it also can drown. I talked about this with um, Steve Lindsay is that it could also you know it'd be harder because yes. there's just such a saturation yes i suppose every generation has its this is great this is terrible no previous generation had the inventory mm -hmm. that, that these people do i mean we can spend entire classes talking about bands that no one knows you know from student to student. Have you ever heard of blank? No. Have you heard blank? No. Well, this is like blank meets blank. Well, I don't know either of those. You know, like it, there's so much breadth. Uh, I don't know, which is good, which is bad, which is dem democratic, which is cool. But like the focus never, you know, it, it takes tremendous outlay of cash to cut through uh, those, those kinds of things. Um, and um, and yet maybe it's in some ways it's better because like everyone can get in, right? Back in the day with the A and R people, there was no way of getting your toe in the door. Now everyone's feet are all in the door. Would a Willie Nelson get signed today? Would a would a Johnny Cash get signed today? You know, you gotta wonder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, they would get thrown off of any of the singing competitions and all of that, which is really significant, you know, Yeah. because there is no definition. Like a I mean, an award show presupposes a definition. Bob of, Dylan of would have been laughed. Simon Cowell would not have dug the Bob Dylan, right? No. He would have been like, what are you singing with marbles in your mouth? What's going on? Absolutely. <laughs> that, that would not have worked because Simon Cowell has a picture, right? At the end of the day, he's deciding what's good right which is ridiculous which is criminal <laughs> um because and and the, you know hopefully there are other ways of flattening this you know and coming up with your own definition you know um that's why people like like the elliot smiths actually in the in the documentary someone was like elliot smith had a an academy award nomination and it was a win for music because he's so out and he's looked completely out of out of the picture and and uh from another planet entirely which is a big win so um it's nice to see other definitions rise for somebody that isn't in the industry why would this uh book be important to read I think this book can help because it's not really about songwriting. It's ostensibly about songwriting. It starts there, but it moves quickly through all kinds of uh, different vocations and hopefully comes to uh, similar conclusions that they're all sort of, there's a thread that, that interweaves all of them. You know, there, there is a, a, an approach to any of these uh, any of these endeavors um, that works, um, things like things like journaling, sure, but things like be on time, right? That's not a songwriting thing. It is a songwriting thing, but it's a restaurant thing. It's a plumber thing. I don't know. It's like an everything thing. Um, you know, uh, what is quality? That is not a songwriting question. You know. And I think if you follow anything and get into anything deeply enough, it all kind of connects. Um, it's not a unified theory, but it really does connect. You know, the the elements of a great chair and a great sandwich and a great song. There's more that is alike than there is that is different. And a good song from a hundred years ago and a good song from today. There's a lot more that's alike than there is different. Um, that's what I kind of wanted to get to. Um, and I, I do hope that people who aren't songwriters also check the book out. Um, I have been talking to like, you know, business podcasts or astronomy podcasts and outside magazine and like places like that, you know, where, where these are more universal lessons and more universal conversations. Um, than just like how to write a chorus because you can find that out on youtube in about two minutes yeah and honestly all this stuff about patterning is really important in any field you could come across yeah and even just in negotiation yes well there's that too there's how to negotiate there's this whole yeah. thing about co-writing because co-writing is a really big deal in the songwriting world but collaboration is a good is a big deal anywhere you Absolutely. know so the the idea of like 
not getting everything that you believe that you were owed on one song because you're thinking long-term and the relationship, that's not a songwriting issue. This just happens to be songwriting that, I, that I'm using uh, to illustrate it. Oh, yeah. You got to learn to stand up for yourself big time with publishers, with record labels, uh, sometimes with artists, <laughs> but yeah. community and the... Uh, there's a there's a beautiful communion in songwriting when you're working with another person. It's it's such an intimate relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And when people find a crew like that, they stick. They stick to it. So like I mean, I have students who are hoping to get cuts with Rihanna or something like that. I'm like, Rihanna's got her people. That's that that ship has sailed. Find the next Rihanna. Yeah. Find the next Rihanna, but find the club. Get into the club. Be on time. Uh, One student told me, uh, bring snacks. (laughs) Right. So bring (laughs) snacks, not nuts, but bring snacks. Yeah. Um, To any to a collaboration. You know, be uh, intrapreneurial, which is to say, like indispensable within the crew. Uh, Yeah. And that crew closes up and they start writing. Shane, Shane McAnally said it. Yeah, well, he's a great example. I was going to say, you, you really pick somebody that is the epitome of that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And they're just like, they're just cranking it out. They know where everybody lives. They know their phone numbers. They, they know their ticks. They, the, um, they know the house rules, right? Mm-hmm. So being part of that um, uh, and respecting it and honoring it moving forward is the long game. And that's again, long game is not again a, not a songwriting thing, but it is it is definitely um, a life thing, and it's about compromise, but it's also about in the end, the long game is the one that wins. Absolutely, that and that thing too is that I think for most creatives, we we move our own goalposts all the time. We get to a goal and then we move the post, and we're like, okay, this was success, and now no, that over there, that's success, and you just keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And like in any good game, you have to you just push your way through everything. And let's just say the offense is the word no, <laughs> you mm-hmm. have, you know, and and you have to hold the line and just yeah. keep keep going. <laughs> There, there was a show. That's a really mixed metaphor. I'm so sorry. No, no. But I'm going to mix it worse. Um, there was a show by Jason Alexander. He was, Jason Alexander started. Yeah, yeah, sure. He was the guy from Seinfeld. Um, and it failed, I think, but, but it was about like a motivational speaker or something. And I remember seeing the ad on the side of a city bus, and it was Jason Alexander pointing his finger, and the tagline was, no is just yes to a different question which of course means nothing yeah. but is also very <laughs> it's very inspiring to yeah. me you know it's just like oh you said no how about this you know what i mean yeah, and like exactly. maybe, maybe i can yeah. turn the no by changing the question yeah and only in terms of business let's let's keep consent is still consent everyone <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I'm <laughs> I guess I, that's <laughs> How did you end up on billions? Uh, uh, yes, consent. Um, uh, <laughs> I consented to being on uh, billions. Um, I went to school. With, well, there, there are all sorts of uh, 
uh, all sorts of relationships that ended up in billions, which is strange. My sister has been on billions. My sister, Melissa, um, uh, my friend from college, Paul Giamatti, uh, is in billions. Um, the guy who wrote the show or co-wrote the show, Brian Koppelman, I went to high school with, um, and they needed, you know, and we all played, ba- and, you know, played music and were in bands or whatever in, in, in high school. Um, so when Brian and whoever it was came up with the storyline that there was going to be like this rock and roll fantasy camp kind of thing. Brian called up, you know, who, whoever might have been might go to one of those, <laughs> you know. So it was a couple of uh, a couple of folks, a couple of friends from high school, including uh, my attorney who played bass. <laughs> my cousin, and, uh, your yes, uh, Ed Edward Grower. Um, and uh, it was just really fun. It was just a really fun, weird. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was a. It was a fun new thing for some of us. I think for Peter Zizzo, um, it actually may have jump started an acting career. Incredible. Um, which is something I, he was hoping to get into. He uh, Peter, who was a well-known, successful songwriter. Um, is now jumping into into the acting world, um, and that was one of his first roles. It's hilarious. You just never know, and that's another example of <clears throat> there is no time limit on creativity. No, it, and and they so many different things interweave. I mean, we sang the Eagles' song "Lion Eyes," um, uh, and we recorded it the day before in the studio where I recorded my last record. So I knew everybody at the studio, right? So they were all there. Um, the music supervisor and I have worked before on other films. Um, and it was just like, this is just very odd, you know, and that, that happens sometimes. And I do talk about this in the book. Also, the concept of synchronicity is weird. It's like coincidence, but it's not, it's, or it is, but it's so coincidental that it's like, oh, come on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a real synchronicity kind of moment. And the, the fact that it happened right around the uh, release of the book, I was like, I mean, I can't time, the, I just couldn't time any of this any better, you know? Yeah. No, it's um, great. It was just crazy. It was crazy. I love that. Tell people how they might find you. Uh I'm I'm easily found. Um, I, there you uh, are now. <laughs> well, I am now. Mike Erico is the name. Uh, MikeErico.com is the website, um, and uh, pretty much everything is there. I mean, at Mike Erico for all the socials, and uh, you know, and the book is available wherever books are sold, including Yay. including I have to say wherever your local bookstore is consider going to your local bookstore to find it they may not have it but they might be able to order it and there's amazon but you know take a look at your local bookstore just go in yeah it's worth it that's that's what i do i buy everything at my local bookstore 
was it hard to pitch this book knowing that there were so many, you know, songwriting books and uh, songs in the key of life books, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's another, I, I, I did this thing in the book called uh, facing down the second draft. Right, which is to say, like you know, facing down the first draft is like this crazy uh, getting to know you kind of moment with a with a with a draft of an idea, but the second draft can actually be more damaging psychically because it's like, wow, I've revised it and it's still crazy and still weird, whatever. So in order to uh, be closer to the reader, I was like, look, this is what I had to do, okay, and I go through about three or four different drafts of what this thing was. I mean, I was like, I'm on the road. It's hilarious. We're going to get all these great road stories. And I made this memoir and it hit the back wall. Everyone hated it. Um, And I tried again with another look and they hated that. And then it was like, then I got into this teaching thing. This is over course of years I'm talking about. Um, And I wrote another book, which was like half road stories, half lessons from the road stories, right? And I got lucky and I had a break. I got a break. The break was a friend of a friend knew somebody in the industry who would read it before I pitched it. Um, And the reader read it and said, this is half terrible, but it's half good. No is yes to another question. So I was like, please do tell which half is terrible and which half is great. And they were like, the half that has to do with you and your story on the road is terrible because I don't know what the hell, who you are. You went to a Cracker Barrel? Great. You and everybody else. Um, so that was that. And But she was like, you know what's really interesting? The, the lessons are really interesting. And you have a different voice when you're talking about that. And it's something that someone would read that they might actually learn from and get something out of instead of just like, oh, some dude had a crazy time, you know? So I went back to the drawing board. This is like draft four or five or whatever it was. Um, And I just made it about the lessons, you know, and way just took all, took all the hijinks out. All the motel sixes were expunged from the, from the book. And, um, and it's old. It's shock to, to my shock because but also, good on you though, too, because you could have taken that and just been mortally wounded by the criticisms, but you, oh, yeah. you, oh, yeah. you, you pushed forward and you took the note. Yeah. But you know, it was weird. It was much weirder than getting a record deal for me. Getting a record deal was going to the bitter end or someplace like that. I was selling out, selling out, selling out crying my eyes out at the end of the show in the backstage area because this A&R didn't show or this or that, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to do this because the world cannot take, cannot not give this to me, right? For whatever crazy idea. For the book, it was like, I just love writing. I love it. And like, I can move and take notes because the act of writing is much more important than the, you know, arrogance or or the or the weird drive or the anger or, or the crazy of the of the record thing. And I and 
I would love to do another draft, you know, person in the music industry or, or book industry. That'd be great. And now I'm thinking about like next book. I would love that, you know, because, because I just like it, yeah. you know, and it's, it's much different than like, I got to get people down to the show. I got to have a hit. The chorus has to hit at wherever this, it, you know, wherever it's yeah. supposed to hit. 30 you know, like, seconds in. <laughs> 30 seconds in or open with it all together, you know, like, yeah. and like, I, that's just, that's a must, that's muscular. And the, and the book writing was much more finesse and was, mm-hmm. it just came much more naturally, which is why the George Saunders thing was so interesting to me. Um, uh, because sometimes you can really do something more beautifully and it's, it's just easier. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. writing a song sometimes can be really, really hard, mm-hmm. but like getting up at five o'clock this morning and, and writing pages, not a problem. You know, you have to listen to that, you know? Um, and so I, I've been listening to that and then I've ho- been hoping to translate it. Um, and get it to my students. And I think it's been, I think it's been good. Hopefully. Oh, you know what? Ask them. Cause I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he ruined my life. Fraud. Uh, you know. I, I have some letters here that I'm going to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, Mike, well, thank the- you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take yeah. care of yourself. Okay. Bye. Be well. Cheers. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.